Gazette Newspapers presents the Parting Shots Podcast. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Schott. Thank you, Scott Keezy, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe today. Thanks for joining me from the Parting Shots Podcast studio in Schenectady, New York. We have another great show for you. I was at Bleecker Stadium on Monday and was a witness to history as the Albany Athletics completed a perfect season in the Albany Twilight League, a first for the league in its 90-year history. I'll have interviews with manager, manager Joe Altieri and players Craig Mastriani and Cam Overball. Well, week four of the Saratoga horse racing season is in the books, and week five is underway, and Gazette sports writer Mike McAdam joins me now to talk about that. And Mike, uh, how are things up in the Saratoga as we get set for week five? Well, it's Wednesday, um, and we got some heat index uh, questions going on. Um, so we'll see what happens on Thursday. But it's you know it's the middle of August. That's what happens, yeah. I guess, around yeah. here. So, um, but the weekend is looking pretty good. So we're looking forward to that. It's it's very um, probably the quietest week of the meet in terms of like stakes fireworks. Um, so there's not a lot going on as in terms of uh, big races and stuff. Um, we're, this is sort of like the bridge week to the, the next two, which is Alabama week and Travers week, which is when it starts getting nuts again. Yeah. So we just came off of Whitney week, which is, you know, crazy town. And now, now we got a little bit of a breather here this week and then, then it picks up again. Well, let's start with, uh, last Friday and the, uh, hall of fame induction ceremonies at the, uh, national horse racing museum. Uh, a couple of classes because obviously last year, the pandemic, uh, postponed yep. the induction, uh, uh, Todd Pletcher and American Farrow were the uh, class of 2021 headline of that headline that class. Yeah, um, Todd Pletcher, we've talked about this before, was really a slam dunk. Uh, it was his first year of eligibility. Trainers in the United States um, have to have their head training license for 25 years before they're eligible. And right on the noggin of 25 years, Todd Pletcher went in. Um, the cool thing was a big part of his success overall has taken place at Saratoga, where, where he's got 14 training titles. And uh, so appropriately, he went in. Um, hard part for his induction was the fact that owner Mike Rapoli um, introduced him and uh, it was, he was a threat all along to go along and uh, he sure did. Uh, I had him clocked in at 18 and a half minutes and there were a couple points there toward the end where he kind of got a little rambly or wondering if this guy was ever going to like, they're going to have to get the old Warner brothers cartoon, you know, hook where they they pull somebody off the stage. Um, So eventually he got done. And then of course, Todd Pletcher, in his typical fashion, got up there and he clocked in at five and a half minutes and he was the one going into the Hall of Fame, uh, but very efficient and professional and hit all the right notes. Um, uh, he started out by, um, you know, looking around the gallery at a lot of the, uh, the four, you know, the hall, current hall, hall of Fame inductees that had been, you know, honored years ago and pointed out the fact that Jerry Bailey won his first race and Jose Santos, who was in the gallery, went, lost his first race. And it was the first of 17,548 losses. And it's the first thing I did when I got to the press box was to double check that on Equibase. And sure enough, he did his research that morning to see exactly how many races he had lost. It kind of, it's kind of a funny deprecating moment there, but he's also won 5,500 races and an all-time leader in purse money in North America. So, um, and then American Pharaoh, 
was a no another slam dunk having won the 2015 triple crown and his owner Ahmed Zayat and his he he did the um uh he did the speech for American Pharaoh of course trainer Bob Baffert is not well loved around New York these days um uh so but um appropriately Ahmed Zayat thanked Bob Baffert for uh the training job he did with American Pharaoh and including the part about how he, he always opened the barn for uh, visitors to, to come and look at American Pharaoh. I can remember the um, day after he lost the Travers to Keen Ice, there's still a couple hundred people over at the barn to, to feed carrots to American Pharaoh, which was really cool. So, uh, you know, Bob Baffert was at his ambassador best uh, around that horse. Um, so, so, Two slam dunks, uh, easy calls to get into the induction um, for the class of 2021. We're top Fletcher and American Pharaoh. Of course, you guys, you know, both classes. Any other highlights out of that uh, day, Friday? Yeah, Mark Cassie was in the 2020 class, and I spoke to him this morning because he's got a Philly named, or, well, she's a mayor now, she's six, um, who's running against males in the four-star Dave this weekend. We can get to that later, but uh, Mark Cassie was very good, and kind of one of the heart-wrenching stories he told was um when he was very young and uh his parents were getting divorced and he knew his father was a trainer and he wanted to be a trainer and his best shot would be to like live with his dad instead of his mom and his mom made this incredible sacrifice and said if this is something you really want to do then go live with your father as difficult of a sacrifice and a decision that was for her and he told that story and he kind of i think tom durkin the the master ceremonies had joked about how the over under on mark um crying was like a minute and a half into his speech and he didn't even come close and <laughs> very emotional and he, he gave a very long but moving speech as well so um uh, i would say that was the other highlight of the day for the induction ceremony yeah uh we saw a couple milestones up uh, at saratoga chad brown got his 2000th win on friday and then on saturday steve asmussen uh breaks the all-time career record in north america for tra- training wins with his 9,446th in a race uh, on the Whitney Day. Uh, talk about, first of all, Chad Brown uh, from Mechanicville and just how he's really made himself uh, one of the top trainers in the country. Yeah, he really skyrocketed, you know, probably over the last 10 years or so. He used to be an assistant to Bobby Frankel, the late Hall of Fame trainer Bobby Frankel, who's just, uh, you know, that just all-star lineup in his stable and chad was had you know a lot of hands-on experience with a lot of those good horses and then um he he really has established himself as kind of a turf trainer in the united states and he's got a lot of owners who have a lot of money who want to spend money on you know horses that are going to run in the big turf races like for instance diana grade one at saratoga that chad has won like five or six times um so that that's been sort of his identity, but he's you know he's good in all divisions really. Um, you know he won the Preakness a few years ago with Cloud Computing. Um, Saratoga obviously is very near and dear to his heart because his family's been coming up here for decades and they get the same picnic table in the backyard. Um, so for him to hit two thousand was pretty much yeah like it's going to happen and it's going to keep happening like it has for Steve Asmussen. Um, uh, when I mentioned that Whitney Week last week was crazy town, it's because it was Whitney Week is nutso anyway by itself. And then you got the Hall of Fame on Friday, and we're juggling these two guys, you know, on the verge of milestones, which 
at least you can look at the calendar and the schedule and say, yeah, the Whitney's on Saturday and the, the induction ceremony's on Friday. But those two <laughs> things going on, you have no idea when they're going to happen. Yeah. So we had to kind of like keep an eyeball on that. And then, of course, Chad gets his 2000 on Friday, which throws a monkey wrench into that day. And then and then Steve Asmussen, um, he had like 14 horses entered at four different tracks on Saturday. After ha- He actually tied it on Friday, the all-time north american record and so you knew it was, it was going to happen on saturday and we we're just praying that a it happened in saratoga because he was there and you'd be able to talk to him right after the race and b you hoped it was in that fifth race which was the first one that he had a horse entered in just to like kind of spread the day out yeah. a little bit you didn't want it happening in like the 10th race on the car the whitney day card or the 11th race or whatever his last horse was um and Sure enough, the racing gods um, looked down upon us positively and, and had him win that um, fifth race. So we were able to kind of like go down and talk to him. And, you know, they did the whole presentation and Naira gave him uh, like a lawn jockey with his name and the record on it. And, uh, you know, it's a really cool moment. Um, but, uh, you know, it's amazing as well. And Chad's not that old, but for him to hit 2,000 and then the following day, this guy gets like 9,446. Uh, pretty amazing moment. Yeah, you mentioned Beth Pletcher researching how many losses he had. I figure with all the, the 9446 wins uh, Asmussen has, I wonder how many losses he has. <laughs> Well, he's the all-time leader. I don't know what the exact number, but I think he may have pointed that out himself as well. Um, I mean, Fletcher's got 17. Um, Asmussen's got to have, like, I don't know, 20, 30,000 or something. <laughs> That's the, the nature of the game. Um, but these guys hit a, hit at, like, a, you know, 21, 22, 23% yeah. strike rate for for victories. So if you feel like doing that math, uh, you're, you're welcome to it right now. Yeah. Um no thanks. Or you can just look it up on Equibase. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of the Whitney, uh, Nick's go dominates uh, the Whitney. It really solidifies his standing as a top older dirt horse in the country. What were your thoughts about his race on Saturday? Yeah, um, you know, the Whitney's going to be the highlight of any Saratoga meet anyway, but this one's going to be tough to beat just in terms of like an individual, perf- the greatness of an individual performance by one horse. Um, you look at his early split times, 23 and a half minutes for the first quarter mile, under 47 seconds for the half mile, for a mile and eighth race, you're going to say, well, whoever posted those numbers, they're not going to be hitting the wire first. And not only did he do that, he did it in just convincing fashion by four and a half lengths. So he, he got a massive lead under Joel Rosario at the start. Then when they got into the second turn, very good field, short but very good field. Maxfield, Silver States with Skydiver, and by my standards, kind of closed the gap, and they started, you know, moving up toward him. And then after they got through the turn, it, it was just lights out, and he just ran away from them. He, he ran away from them twice in that race, at you know, on the first turn and in the stretch, and wins by four and a half lengths just an absolutely dominating performance against good horses. Um, so that one's going to be kind of tough to beat. And yeah, I mean, there, there were, we knew he was really good, but he had lost two straight and this one, or what he had lost two straight and then one, you know, at Prairie Meadows by 13 lengths. And a lot of people were saying, well, it was at Prairie Meadows and who the heck did he beat? Um, 
but they were just trying to get back to their two-turn routine with this horse in races and wanted to see him, you know, thrive in that kind of configuration to lead into the Whitney. And it, so it gave them, trainer Brad Cox, the indicator that he was looking for and then get transferred beautifully to the Whitney against good horses. Um, nobody's questioning who he beat in the Whitney if they you may have been questioning who he beat in the Cornhusker at Prairie Meadows. Um, <laughs> just really a, a cool performance to see just because of what he did early and you know a lot of times you see a horse that maybe stalked the pace and then pass tiring horses and wins by forehand no this horse was everything he was the pace and he was the horse pulling away at the end so he did it all and, and deservedly uh you know ranked number one in, the, in north america right now just overall all overall divisions of uh you know horses yeah Let's look ahead to the weekend. He says sort of a late weekend. Uh, it's highlighted by the grade one uh, four-star Dave at a mile on the turf. Uh, it's drawn a tough field. That includes the six-year-old mare, Got Stormy. Uh, Got Stormy broke the track record in this race two years ago. Yeah, and um, not only did she break the, the course record, but she did it a week after she had uh, raced at Saratoga. You don't see that very often. Uh, uh, horses running a week apart but also doing it in stakes competition and then breaking a record in a in a grade one pretty interesting um i talked to mark cassie the trainer who we've already mentioned having got just got inducted into the hall of fame i talked to him this morning about got stormy in the hall of fame and some other things and uh it, the kind of the cool story here is um the owner gary barber put her into what's called the november um breeding stock sale for her to be sold as a broodmare prospect last november and gary barber what they do in these auctions is they set a reserve price where it's basically the minimum that ceiling that price that needs to be bid on your horse or else you're not selling the horse and mark said this morning that when they were bidding on got stormy at this breeding stock sale last november the, the bidding like blasted straight through the reserve price whatever it was and it wound up at um 2.75 million dollars that spendthrift farm bought her as to be a brood mare to you know to breed her and, it, and he said as soon as they did that i was like well he said i, I actually got a little teary you know no surprise mark cassie the guy who was you know, yeah. practically blubbering at his hall of fame he said i got a little teary because i knew she was i was going to lose her and even if she raced following year you know maybe they'd send her to a different trainer um so there's an ownership transfer last november then he gets a phone call from someone from spencer farm who said hey um this is probably a dumb question, but if you know, we're going to, we're, we're actually planning on racing her next year as a six-year-old. Um, would you want to still train her? <laughs> and I said, I laughed and I said, yeah, that is a dumb question. So he's training her again this year. And, you know, she's kind of put together a little bit of a rocky 2021. Um, she started with a nose victory in the, um, in a great stakes at, at uh, Gulfstream Park in February. And since then, uh, she's fin finished fifth twice, um, but she loves Saratoga. If we don't get rain, which it looks like we're not going to, um, she loves a firm turf, so she could be a big factor against the field that's going to include some good horses, including Raging Bull. You know, we already mentioned Chad Brown, um, you know, how, how good he is with turf horses, and Raging Bull is going to be in there. Um, at least he was listed as the probables. 
Um, they won't draw the race until this afternoon. Um, he won the grade one makers, Mark Mile at Keeneland in April. Um, Rinaldi just won the grade three forbidden Al- apple at Saratoga earlier in the meet. Um, so it'll be an interesting, uh, pretty good field that she'll be facing. And we'll see if she can recapture some of her form, uh, you know, that, that she did last year. She ran four star Dave last year and got beat just by a little bit in second place. And he's not afraid to run her against male horses. I think this will be like the eighth or ninth time she's done it in her career. So we'll, we'll see if she can recapture her glory on uh, Saturday. Yeah. One of the more interesting races uh, going on in Saratoga right now is for the jockey and the jockey standings. Where and I type these in every day when I so I, I, I really follow this. <laughs> Luis, God bless you, <laughs> Luis Saez, uh, could do something that no one has done is just wrestle away the title from the Ortiz brothers. Yeah, um, Luis is twenty nine years old. He's from Panama. Um, he's got some, some very interesting, um, career highlights and he's having a tremendous year. He's, he's the regular rider for essential quality. Who's going to be the Travers favorite. Um, and is the three-year-old vision leader won the Belmont and the Jim Dandy already. Um, he going into this week, he was up by eight on Jose Ortiz and nine or seven on Jose and nine on Irad Ortiz and between the two of them they've won um each won three titles over the last six years but Luis is having a phenomenal meet not only in in raw like total number of victories but he's winning graded stakes like all over the place I already mentioned essential quality winning the Jim Dandy um already mentioned Rinaldi in the uh, four-star Dave he's Luis rides him won the forbidden apple race um just won the grade one test on Bella Sophia on, uh, last weekend. Um, he's doing it for a variety of different trainers. He's not the first call rider for any barn, but he's everybody wants him, and he's getting on good horses, and he's winning graded stakes. So um, he's in, we got a long way to go. We're only halfway through it. but um, And I'm writing about Luis uh, for Wednesday for Thursday. So if people, by the time the podcast comes out, you can probably – check out the story but um to i mentioned the highlights and maybe they're not necessarily there's a little bit of low light that goes with them too um two races that he's well known for one was in 2013 when he won the travers on will take charge by a nose over a horse named marino and before he even had a chance to savor the victory uh trainer eric Yo of marino got a phone call from his brother who was watching the Travers on TV and said, Hey, I think he, I think Saez might've had an electrical device in his hand to, which is a very, very much illegal and probably would bring criminal charges. Um, you know, you hear about all the cheating methods on a track and one of them is, you know, back to the olden days, they used to have like a little battery powered device that they'd hold in their hand and just like give a little shock to the horse in its neck or whatever, kind of doing it discreetly. And he was accused of doing that. And they had a weeks long investigation. The state police got involved. They went to all high def video. They got tape from NBC and Naira. Uh, the troopers like searched the jockey's room. They interviewed everybody, including Luis. And it was just a wild goose chase and nothing came of it. He was exonerated. And so he did win the Travers in 2013, but there was a cloud hanging over it for a while. And then, of course, he was on maximum security when he won the Kentucky Derby, got disqualified because he kind of came over and bothered a bunch of horses at the top of the stretch. Um, so Luis is still chasing his first, um, 
uh, Kentucky Derby, but you can't take Chris Travers away from him. And, and you know, interesting note about we'll take charge that year is he wound up winning the three-year-old male championship without winning a single one leg of the triple crown. So that Travers win was very big and him securing that award that year. But um, Luis is a wonderful kid. Um, he, you know, everybody's using him. He's winning. He, he tries hard on every horse that he's on. And so he's going to give the Ortiz brothers a run for their money. It'd be interesting to watch the rest of the way. He's got a little bit of a lead. He said he doesn't care about it and he doesn't pay attention to any of that, but everybody else does. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we'll be keeping an eye on that jockey race, yeah. um, especially if it gets tight toward the end. And finally, Mike, uh, well, you mentioned that Bob Baffert not being a popular figure, another really unpopular figure around the horse racing uh, at, at Saratoga is uh, Governor Andrew Cuomo. And yes, on Tuesday, he announced his resignation. Uh, he's been accused by at least 11 uh, women of sexual harassment. Uh, and uh, if you haven't had a chance to listen to the podcast that I posted on uh, Tuesday with uh, interviews with Gazette editorial editor Mark Mahoney and managing editor Caitlin Brown. You can check it out at dailygazette.com and wherever you get your podcasts. But, yeah, Cuomo and horse racing really sort of a, uh, not a good fit. Uh, what, what was the yeah, – what did the horse people think of Cuomo? Well, you know, in the grand scheme of things, what horse racing people think of Cuomo is like about number 1,000 on the list of like 200 important things. But still, like, he was not a well-liked figure ever. Like, even when he was riding his popularity with what he was doing with COVID last year, um, horse racing people, I I think the spectrum of um, their stance on Cuomo ranged from he hates racing to he's ambivalent about racing because he just barely well i wouldn't even say he barely acted like it existed he never he didn't he acted like it didn't exist um to the point where he had one of his um pressers for the covid update and for the like the reopening of venues uh you know that whole sequence that was going on in the spring and literally he was at belmont park for one of them and where he announced, you know, a further moving of the, the goalposts on what could be open. And, and it's not like racetracks should be one of them, but he never specifically said that. So everybody was kind of held in limbo, like, well, I guess we still have to wait. Like, does he even, does he remember that Saratoga and Belmont exist? And he literally, you know, having a presser at Belmont Park at yeah. the time. and. That was in the morning, and then by 5.30 that night, he was issuing a, you know, emailed uh, press release saying, oh, yeah, yeah, no, uh, racetracks, uh, that includes them, too. Like, someone must have, like, tugged on his coat sleeve and said, "Um, you never mentioned, like, racing or racetracks when you were at a racetrack this morning. And so he had to, like, send out a whole separate press release clarifying that, which I'm sure reinforced a lot of people's belief that, He's certainly ambivalent toward racing, but you know a lot of people. It's their knee-jerk reaction is like, "Well, he hates racing." Never, you know, there would be triple crowns on the line, and he wouldn't show up at Belmont, which seems like a no-brainer uh, political, you know, grandstand play that anybody would do. And but he, you know, he never showed up. He showed up at Saratoga like a couple of years ago uh, for the first time ever, um, acknowledging that it exists, uh, and actually showed off a, like a hundred dollar ticket that he's had on some winning horse. So he walked in and walked out with like, you know, a couple hundred bucks. Um, so I, you know, I don't think anybody was, you know, their, their list of priorities is, is, 
racing is very low on it, but racing fans probably saw that news, and I'm sure there was a good riddance um, response uh, uh, that that doesn't suggest that anything's going to change. But, um, yeah, he was not a well-liked figure on the racetrack. Yeah. Well, you can follow Mike's coverage of Saratoga on Twitter at Mike underscore McAdam, and, of course, all his stories in DailyGazette.com and in the print edition. Mike, thanks again. We'll do it again next week. All right, thanks for having me, Ken. I'll talk to you next week. All right, that's Mike McAdam. Coming up next, I'll talk Albany Athletics baseball and their perfect Albany Twilight League season. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast. Hey, Saratoga horse racing fans. Have a chance to win a $50 gift card by playing the Daily Gazette's Saratoga Pick 7. Here's what you do. Pick your horses to score the most points in the first seven races at Saratoga Racetrack and win the $50 gift card. To play, go to pick7.dailygazette.com and make your picks 15 minutes before post time the day of the race. The Saratoga Pick 7 contest is run by the Daily Gazette Advertising Department and not affiliated with the Daily Gazette Sports Department. Hi, this is Harborside Hal Wafer. I'm the manager of the River Sportsbook at Rivers Casino and Resort. Now, it's always a winning bet to listen to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Welcome back to the podcast. On Monday, I had a chance to witness Capital Region baseball history at Bleecker Stadium. For the first time in the 90 years of the Albany Twilight League, a team finished the season perfect. The Albany Athletics beat the Waterford Nationals 9-5 to sweep the best-of-five Albany Twilight League Championship Series in three games. That gave them a 28-0 record for the season, 23-0 in the regular season, and 5-0 in the playoffs. After the game, I spoke with a few members of the Athletics about their achievement. Let's start with manager Joe Altieri, who got doused with a bucket of water during the interview. What does this mean to you to finish the first perfect season in the 90-year history of this league? It's undescribable. Uh, nobody's done it before, and it makes me really proud of this group. Um, you know, there could be debates about who the greatest team was on paper and what roster was the best, but uh, nobody could take away that this was the only team that's ever gone undefeated start to finish uh, regular season, the playoffs. So it, it means a lot to us. At what point of the season do you realize did you realize that this could happen? Uh, we... we we set out our early season goals are always to win every game, win the regular season and win every game. It's the same mentality every game. But when we got to about the 16th or 17th game, guys started, I, I, I sensed a different urgency, almost like it was the playoffs every game. And uh, guys were excited to come to the park. They had a lot of enthusiasm. Um, they knew it was on the line. And, and it was all of a sudden, it was they were playing like it was a playoffs. Was there pressure at all? Did they put pressures on themselves? Or you, did you put pressure on them? I definitely didn't put any pressure on them. I kept the same routines, uh, the same pep talks that we had uh, about playing defense and pitching and, and uh, making sure you have quality at-bats. Um, we didn't change any routine whatsoever. Um, uh, there was no pressure at all. There was only uh, the chance to... <laughs> Joe's getting wet right now. <laughs> I'll, take that one. I'll definitely take that one. That one... I saw... That one's right there for you guys, but not quite yet. I saw that one coming, so I backed up. But uh, yeah, just leave that right there. Take the trophy, and we'll set up. 
But the pressure, I mean, the, 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 there was there was no pressure uh, whatsoever. They actually pl they're a very loose group, and they're a lot of fun. Uh, they know they played with each other for a few years, um, and they didn't. Um, thank you. So it made it easy for them just to play loose and have fun the whole time. Just the sign of a, a perfect team. You guys, all your runs tonight came with two outs. What does that tell you? It's it's just a clutch play, and it's a team that wants to be um, wants to play play under pressure, play when they have a sense of urgency, play you know uh, come through in a big moment, and you know just they wanted to uh, seize the moment uh, of uh, winning and winning every single game. And five straight championships. What does that mean? It, that's there's I'm speechless about what five means because we thought it was special when we did it t two times and then three and then four and then we had COVID we had to get through and then to come back and get the fifth is uh, pretty special. Joe, appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Up next is catcher Craig Mastriani, who was named co-MVP of the playoffs. His three-on homer in the first inning opened the scoring. Craig, what does it mean to complete a perfect season, the first one in the, in the history of this league? It, it means a lot. It really does. I'm, I'm a guy that's been here a long time, 15 years on this team. Um, we've had a lot of really good teams. You know, 2012, 2016, we won World Series. Never, never did we go undefeated. It's very hard to do. It takes a special group of players like this, you know, to accomplish something like that. So I'm very proud of it. What, is, what does it mean if you look, you know, after your career is over, what is it going to mean to you? It's going to mean a lot. You know, right now, I just wanted to win another title. Um, but, you know, in a few years, looking back, I'm sure sure it's going to be something really special, yeah. And especially coming off last year with the season being canceled because of the COVID yeah. situation, does that make it even more special what you guys did? It does. You know, we were away a long time. Um, you know, we were fortunate to be able to play in a smaller league last year, um, which we did win. Um, but, yeah, it means a lot to come back and, and claim what's ours because it's five in a row. Uh, to be perfect, you got to do things tonight. All your runs came with two outs. What does that tell you about this team? That, that's just how we are. Um, you know, our back's against the wall, and we need to run. Whoever's up, you know, doesn't matter if it's one through nine, they're going to come through with a hit, yeah. And your home run there in the first inning set the tone. Yeah, sure did, absolutely. Um, you know, I was just trying to get us out in front, any kind of hit. Luckily, I got something I can, you know, handle, and I got it out of the park. Did, it, did you feel a spark there at that point, uh, getting that home run? Oh, absolutely, yeah. It's, it's big to get out in front, especially when you're the home team. Um, so, yeah, it was a big moment, yeah. Finally, second baseman Cam Overball. He had three hits and drove in two runs. He shared the playoff MVP honor with Mastriani. What does this mean to you guys to do something that's never been done before in the, Albany, the 90 years of the Albany Twilight League? Well, it's definitely special. Obviously, it's never been done before, so to do anything that's never been done means a lot. As the season progressed and you guys kept winning and winning, did, was there a sense that you're, you had something special here? Did you realize that you could try to pull this off? Absolutely. We got studs across the boards, and every single game we just kept building more and more momentum. So the more we played, the better we kept getting. So, Did you feel pressure? No, not really. Um, we've been here before. This, a lot of these guys are veterans, so... A lot of us have been here for five, six to even 15 years already, so we're all ready for the spotlight. What the, tonight was it might have been a perfect example that you the perfection. All your nine runs you scored tonight came with two outs. What does that tell you about this team? It just means it just shows that we just when it really gets tough, we really dig deep and we grind. And two outs, two two outs, it really doesn't matter because we're all just ready there. We're ready. And to win five in a row, <laughs> what does that tell you? Well, it, I think it kind of shows our 
our dominance, not to sound cocky or anything, but we've we kind of expected this. Just we've been rolling all year, and at this point, honestly, we don't think anyone can beat us. So we're just very confident, playing with lots of confidence. On a side note, this covering this game on Monday brought me back to my years back in York, Pennsylvania, when I first started the business at the York Daily Record. Uh, the York County had two amateur leagues, the uh, Central League and the Susquehanna League, and I covered the Susquehanna League for a couple of seasons. I enjoyed covering that and uh, some good baseball, some good characters, and uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to be at Bleecker on Monday to watch uh, history being made by the athletics. Well, I'll be back to wrap up the podcast and have the latest winner in the Daily Gazette's Auto Racing Contest in just a moment. The NASCAR season is here, and it's time to play the Daily Gazette's Auto Racing Contest. Go to dailygazette.com to sign up and play. Predict the order of finish of each race via your auto racing account. The fan with the most correct points for the race will win a $50 grocery card and have their name mentioned on the Party Shots podcast and printed in Friday's Daily Gazette. The fan with the most overall points at the end of the season wins a $250 grocery card. You can also win a $75 Visa gift card provided by Second Street if you're the weekly national winner. If you are the overall national winner, you will win a trip for two to the 2022 Daytona 500. So go to dailygazette.com, sign up, and play today. The Daily Gazette Auto Racing Contest is run by the Daily Gazette Advertising Department and not associated with the Daily Gazette Sports Department. Sign up for the Daily Gazette Sports Newsletter. The newsletter, which comes out Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, features updates on the local sports scene from our staff writers and reveals the latest guest for the Parting Shots podcast. The newsletter is free. To sign up, head to dailygazette.com. Hi, I'm Tom Manas, head coach of the Albany Empire. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Schott. Back to wrap up the podcast. The Week 22 winner in the Daily Gazette Auto Racing Contest is Thomas Crudo of Schenectady. Thomas wins a $50 grocery gift card. Congratulations, Thomas. The VIP winner was Jerry Peel of Frank and Sons. And I was also the top point getter. Hey, sometimes you get lucky. I'll be announcing the weekly winner of the contest, and that winner's name will appear in Friday's Daily Gazette. If you would like to play the contest, go to dailygazette.com and click on the link for contest and promotions. Keep checking out dailygazette.com and the print edition for the latest updates in news and sports on the coronavirus pandemic. I want to thank all the doctors, nurses, and first responders who are dealing with this pandemic. We appreciate the job you're doing in this difficult time. If you haven't gotten vaccinated, please do so. Do it for yourself, do it for your family, and do it for your friends. That wraps up another edition of the Parting Shots podcast. I would like to thank Mike McAdam, Joe Altieri, Craig Mastriani, and Cam Overball for coming on the show. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, email them to me at shot, that's S-C-H-O-T-T, at dailygazette.com. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Slapshots. The views expressed in the Parting Shots podcast are not necessarily those of Gazette newspapers. The Parting Shots podcast is a production of Gazette newspapers. I'm Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. From the Parting Shots podcast studio in Schenectady, New York, good day, good sports.